Pinkerton right now, their logo, if you look it up on, on say, Twitter, some other place, right, they have a pride logo that mm. includes a an out-of-focus pride flag that looks like it I has, look like, all the original colors in it. There's, like, a couple of extra... It's not all the original. It's, like, a couple oh, weird I'm, extras. Oh, this is so weird. Oh, it's the bisexual flag I'm under the this. rainbow. So and th- then it's like the trans flag under that, but it looks like they've gotten the stripes out of order because yeah. it's blue, pink, then white. And then, the, of course, the black and brown You're right there here. to show you all the kinds of people that, that they hunt and uh, kill. There we go. Yeah, this is a... This is a horrible. It looks like it looks like Pac-Man is vomiting a rainbow. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only Pinkerton Detective Agency fan podcast. <laughs> I am the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. And based on our affinity for the Pinkerton Detective Agency, we're going to talk about probably one of the games that features Pinkerton's in the strongest and most accurate way mm-hmm. ever in all popular media. That's right. We're talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, this game portrayed Pinkerton so accurately that uh, the Pinkertons sued. They're bad uh, guys. Wait, entirely. Really? Yeah. Uh, they uh, they sued because uh, they said they were slandering the Pinkerton name. Really? And, uh, several of the Pinkerton agents had to sit their kids down who were playing the game and be like, and they were like, Daddy, <laughs> oh, why, why are they killing all these innocent people? Why is oh, it okay funny. for me to kill them? So it was just, it was completely dropped. Because of the uh, long history of killing innocent people. And yeah. also it's a work <laughs> of fiction. Yeah. Like what I mean, what the fuck? I mean, it was really because Red Dead 2 had done so well financially and they were like you're using our name to make a shit ton of money we would also like that money please you know we are recording this episode uh on pride weekend it's been a really rough few days for everyone who cares about anything we hope that wherever you are wherever you're listening to this that you are connected to a community that is also supporting you in the way that you need right now. It's tough out there. And, and the next few weeks, I think we're actually delving into art that sort of deals with the original sins of this country. Yeah. Uh, it just sort of the weirdly, you which know, is its existence. Up that way. Right. Yeah, which is its entire existence. Yeah. The, the way this game handles violence is really funny because like one, it wants to be realistic and like how it presents the history of the region and whatever. Right. So like, right. for instance, in the epilogue, there's a part where John Marston has killed somebody and everyone's like, you killed that guy up there, didn't you? And it's like, yeah, by this point in the game, I have killed over a thousand people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the gunfights are enormous. I'm killing a lot of guys. And then like every once in a while, there's one gun death that's just supposed to be really important or yeah, just death in general. It's yeah. definitely strange. I will be interested to talk a bit more about the mechanics of this game and, you know, how they interact with the narrative. But I think before we do that, we should just level set for everybody who may or may not be infami- even familiar with what Red Dead Redemption 2 is about the history of the franchise, how it came to be, and who the key players were in making this game possible. We begin with Capcom. Oh. We begin with the Japanese video game developer, Capcom. 
Why do we begin with Capcom? I don't fucking know. They wanted to make a Western game, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, Capcom was working with something called Angel Studios, which is a San Diego-based uh, game development studio. Hell yes! Red uh, Dead, my hometown pride, baby! Yeah, you don't have anything else to be proud of. Literally nothing else. This is what I have. <laughs> what, the Padres? Padres are pretty the, good this year. You, you, you want have the, the Chargers? A team oh, so bad whoa, they whoa, stopped whoa, existing? Whoa, whoa, you have the old globe. We do have and also the beautiful people of La Mesa. Yes, and the La Jolla Playhouse, which I sure yeah whatever. Um, Hey, (laughs) I did one cool thing when I was a teenager. One cool thing. Angel Studios with Capcom's funding was working on Red Dead Revolver from 2000. Red Dead Revolver is a game about a cowboy, and you shoot stuff. Yeah, there's not a lot. There's not that much to it. This is a few generations ago, right? This is a PS2 era game. It's got some, I I guess you'd call it bullet time, but it's not really bullet time in the Max Payne Matrix sense. You're not dodging bullets. You're just the fastest guy in the West. You get these little like timers where you can freeze time and like target people and then blast them. And that's the one thing that has stuck throughout. Yeah. The box art of that game is hideous. It's so fucking funny. It's real bad. It's like a guy yelling and it's just, it's not good. Well, well, it's funny because it got overshadowed by a game called Gun, which had much better shooting mechanics. Right. Well, and Gun is much more of a Rockstar type game. But again, mm-hmm. Rockstar just bought this studio and this game was just about to ship anyway. So they finished it up. Interesting. Right. Okay. Um, so the, so the game had actually been canceled and then Rockstar acquired the studio and we're like, well, this is almost it's sort of like what happened with like Duke Nukem Forever. They were like, let's just throw out right. whatever we fucking already have. Right, right. Um, they finished up Red Dead Revolver. It's like polished enough to be like solid. It's not like like Duke Nukem Forever where. Yeah. So this is not a game that I've I've. I have played, I didn't have a PS2 or an Xbox growing up. This was a weird game for Rockstar because at this point they were pretty much just making what we were calling back then sandbox games, Mm -hmm. right? Because Grand Theft Auto, the 3D Grand Theft Autos, uh, Bully, the game where you play as a a, a gay boarding school resident. Red Dead Revolver came out and it was not like up to the standard that people expected from Rockstar games, but it it just kind of skated by, which then led to... Red Dead Redemption, where they made a main character who looks exactly the same as the main character of Red Dead Revolver, but is a different guy. But he has the same scars going across his face. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And that's like a Western, but it's a weird Western because it's set in like 1910. Yeah, it's like way past the prime of most Westerns. It's at the downfall of cowboys you know you ride in a car at one point the the, everything is electrified you're playing some guy who used to be part of a posse who is now hunting his old compatriots down have either of you played the original red dead redemption because i I have have not not. it never came out on pc yes uh so red dead redemption was one of my favorite games of all time it had an ending that completely rocked my mind uh because i'd never seen anything like it in video games before um there's a point where you ride into mexico for the first time and this song starts playing over your ride and it's just you riding across the open expanse with this beautiful guitar backing you up. And it was like the most cinematic feeling I'd ever had playing a video game. After Marston has gone after all of the old guys, he finds the old leader of the gang, Dutch Vanderland, who then can't really you don't kill him. He kills himself. He jumps off of the top of a mountain. 
Yeah. John Marston makes his way back home. You actually just spend a lot of time there on the farm, like fixing things up. You know, your wife and son foreshadowing for Red Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your wife and son are returned to you. You're doing just fine. And then the government agents that you've been working with turn around and kill you. When we cut ahead to the epilogue of Red Dead Redemption, Abigail has also passed away. Oh, okay. So it's 1915. Yeah. He's just buried Abigail. And then he goes and finds the old government agent. Yeah, Jack, uh, John's son, goes and redeems his father uh, yeah, by shooting that man that dead. Is, that the is the Red Dead man, Redemption. That yeah, is the, the old man is retired, and so you go down by the river and you kill him. You just fucking kill him. And then the game just ends right there. It does a big, like, Italian, Western kind of... And, and the whole game is very much like spaghetti Western. It's like right. dark, gritty revisionist western kind of thing uh, with a lot of like Tarantino stuff going on what would you say are sort of the hallmarks of that game that made it so different and so unique because we're going to be mostly talking about Red Dead Redemption 2 yeah so I'd be curious to hear like what the aspects were of the original then that really needed to be carried forward into RDR 2 in order to make it a worthy sequel uh, so I think the main thing uh, was that having a protagonist who could be either good or evil but ultimately can only be good for the story to work. I think that John Marston is kind of more of a cookie cutter character in Red Dead 1 uh, because he has to be formulated by the player's choice. So he's a little bit more kind of what you make. Yeah, him. It was it was the peak player choice era. Right? Yes. Absolutely. Good, bad decision kind of thing. But but Red Dead has and will always be about the vibe. It's sure. almost never about the main story or plot. It's about how it makes you feel existing in its world. And again, entering Mexico for the first time, all of a sudden, what you thought was like a pretty, you know, a sizable map all of a sudden becomes an entire other continent for you to visit. And sure. there's these giant like rock sculptures that make you feel like a tiny little insect. Yeah, basically, basically doubles the size yes. of the map at that point. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that was very important. Also, it avoided a lot of the pitfalls of other Rockstar games, uh, and namely in that John Marston doesn't try and cheat on his wife. Like, there's no love interest for him, and they sort of mm-hmm. play with that a little bit. And Rockstar is notoriously bad uh, at female representation, which I what? think... What? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised, but like... I think Red Dead 2 actually goes out of its way to like give better female representation. Yeah, Yeah, the first Red Dead Redemption seems like it's kind of threading the needle between the Grand Theft Auto stuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this more serious tone that they're trying to get at. In a game like Grand Theft Auto, it has to be sort of silly in order for the mechanics to make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. um, Because otherwise... You just have these weird tonal lurches between like what is happening in the story and what is actually happening as you play the game. It's a silly game. The world of GTA, I think, is is very silly in its nature. And so Ludo narrative dissonance. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I know not that. even that. It's just like things from scene to scene. And I feel like Grand oh, sure. Theft that, that yeah, Auto bounces around a lot. Yeah. yeah. And we're just going to say like if we say Red Dead one or the first game, we're talking about Red Dead Redemption. We're not talking about Red right. Dead Revolver. This, right. That yeah, game no. factors very little into any of this uh from now on we're probably not even going to talk about it at all the biggest uh thing that connects grand theft auto 5 to red dead redemption 2 is a guy named dan hauser 
Now, we need to briefly talk about the Housers, the Hauser brothers. <laughs> I hardly knew her. Good one. So the Housers are two brothers, Sam and Dan. The Hauser bros. And they're both from London. Their parents are sort of the professional class, a lawyer and an actress. Basically, Sam got a job at Bertelsmann Music Group, BMG, and ended up heading up their entire interactive division because at the time they were trying to go more into video games. And Sam also dragged his brother Dan into the whole operation. And Dan, being more of a creative type than a business type, would end up working for Scottish developer DMA Design, including writing basically the whole script for Grand Theft Auto 2. So there was a series of acquisitions, but basically DMA Design ended up getting acquired by Take-Two Interactive in an all-stock deal. Uh, the new company would be known as Rockstar Games and headquartered in New York City. And of course, this meant that the Housers were millionaires overnight, you know, had a ton of money as a result of their stake in DMA Design. And DMA Design would end up getting rebranded as Rockstar North. So that specific studio and it got moved from Dundee, Scotland to Edinburgh, Scotland. And Sam Hauser actually remains the president of Rockstar Games today. However, Dan resigned as vice president of creative in 2020, likely in no small part due to the absolutely brutal development cycle around Red Dead Redemption 2. And even though they're very high profile, they're some of the best known names in the game industry. The Housers are very private people. Uh, they're very hesitant to actually participate in fame. And I have a quote here exactly why that is. Uh, when Dan Hauser was interviewed about Red Dead Redemption 2 with Vulture magazine by Harold Goldberg in the article, How the West Was Digitized, the Making of Rockstar's Games, Red Dead Redemption 2. Terrible uh, headline. Terrible Dog headline. shit. How Dog are you shit digitizing headline? the West? That's so stupid. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it makes it sound like you scanned the landscape. NFTing the West. Yeah, it's and, the metaverse, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, they hardly ever give interviews and they've never taken a PR photo together. With fame comes annoying obligations. And as Dan has observed by proximity to celebrities he's worked with, quote, lots of girls who only want to speak to you or have sex with you because you're famous. And in exchange for that, you give up your whole soul. Wow. What a what a normal guy. What a, <laughs> what a normal guy. He's a big film buff, which I think comes out a lot in the game. He does make a lot of filmic references in the game. Uh, but for this one, he specifically Red Dead Redemption 2. He specifically did not watch anything contemporary because he didn't want to be accused of stealing other people's ideas, which. OK, uh, and <laughs> well, I, I can kind of get that because so much of like the, the rock star output tends to be parody. Right. It's just mm, like mm -hmm. it's it is stealing from other things and it's doing so very consciously because it wants you to see this is what we're referencing right now. Right. Yeah. Where it's it's like, it also does it in a, what I would they say do is like a, an old iPhone ad. But right. They call it the gay the pair, phone the, or, or the something. pair. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a very uh, British thing, too. Right. Yeah. Like the, the the sort of sensibility of it all in it's the British, way it's also kind of like South Park. Yeah. You know? And the, the yeah. way that they perceive American culture is through a very distinctly British lens where, yeah. you know, if it feels on the nose that's because it is yeah. um, and I, I think that is maybe to your point AJ the things that you find annoying about Grand Theft Auto specifically GTA 5 I think a lot of it stems from that approach but what's interesting about Red Dead Redemption or RDR 2 rather is that I think that in a lot of ways it manages to be a very interesting commentary on the American yeah. West yes. it is of course through a certain frame but the fact that the primary studio that developed this one was Rockstar San Diego 
So it was an actual American developer, yeah. even though Dan yeah, Hauser was yeah. the one doing a lot of the writing at a head level. Mm-hmm. It still coheres in a really interesting way. You don't feel the same sort of movie references in the same way that mm-hmm. like Red Dead Redemption one feels like a spaghetti Western. They have the big like, you know, slapped on titles and things like that. Yeah. This doesn't feel like a revisionist Western. It doesn't feel like an old John Ford Western either. It feels more like like they sat down and read a bunch of the old Western books. Mm hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like True Grit or... or Which is actually you know, 100% just, what he did. He yeah, the shit from that was like James, written yeah. in the mm-hmm. 1880s and 1890s that were such a big hit in the East Coast. They had made a shit ton of money. Like Rockstar had more money than they knew what to do with after the success of GTA 5 and specifically GTA 5 online. And so Red Dead Redemption 2 was was writing on, on just absolute fucking maximalism. They were going all the way with this right. fucking thing. Yeah, and they put... I think $500 million, some estimates say $500 million into the development of Red Dead 2. Yeah. Uh, And in fact, Rockstar San Diego, who made the first game, uh, couldn't actually make Red Dead by themselves, Red Dead 2 by themselves. So they consolidated every single branch of Rockstar into one mega branch (laughs) called just Rockstar Games. And they had at one point like 1,500 people designing this game. Uh, It shows... Because this is one of the most beautiful games ever made and it still holds up like I just replaying it for this episode. I was so blown away by how everything looks like a fucking painting like it looks like it looks like the Hudson Valley School like come to life like just exploding in your face. Why don't we just go through each of the different territories the different states that are in Mm -hmm. the game and sort of talk about what makes them distinctive right so absolutely. Uh, the first one is Amberino. So this is this is in the equivalent of the Rocky Mountains, but here right. they're called the Grizzlies. Right. Mm-hmm. This is this is Colorado. Amberino is where we are actually at the very beginning of the game, uh, like marching around in uh, basically like blizzard like conditions because we're like way the fuck up in the mountains. This game yeah. starts yeah. off with uh, Ooh, it's, it's so slow. Uh, it's with slow. a drag. Oh yeah. boy, it's slow. Uh, just just to be clear, going forward too, I think this is one of the greatest video games ever made. <laughs> but yeah, dear God, this yeah. opening sequence. You want to talk about like an opening sequence that is tailor-made to piss you off oh (laughs) my god and you're you're still getting tutorialized about 15 hours in so like even beyond this whole section yeah well i mean just moving around is fucking drudgery but it is amazing and i think you actually get a better sense of of amberino and the west grizzlies when you're going to rescue marston Mm -hmm. uh, than you are at this beginning but the beginning we start you're arthur morgan A, a couple of people have died in this group of this posse that you're right. with right uh dutch vanderlin's gang at the beginning you really get the sense of why this guy is an amazing cult leader mm-hmm. right he's always like we had this setback in blackwater where something went wrong something and there blackwater was- this is really important blackwater is like a fixture of the first game right, right. it's yes. the big city on the east in the same way that um san denis is going to be in this game and the pretty much the entire map on the American side, none of the Mexico stuff, but the whole map from Red Dead 1 is in this game. The, there's always this thing. It's like we were getting further and further and further west. We're trying to make it to the coast and possibly even beyond the coast, although they haven't quite settled right. that plan yet. But again, these are these people. I are, have a plan, Arthur. <laughs> thank you, Josh. I was waiting. Dutch is such a remarkable character because the whole group is immediately aligned around him because he has that plan. He has that vision. And we trudge through 
the snows of Amberino for way too long. A really long honestly. time. You get to this um, farmhouse and there was this guy, Adler, who right. lived there. Everyone who was there has been murdered by the people that you're feuding with. The O'Driscolls. Yep. There's this woman, Sadie Adler, who when mm-hmm. you find her is basically feral. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The shit that has been done to her is is beyond explanation. Um, and you take her in and people and everyone is just surviving. Because, again, the plan was going just fine until some sort of thing happened before all this started down in Blackwater and it's pushed you back east. So yeah, now and you rescue John Marston, who right. is the second person to say, Arthur Morgan. Can't <laughs> yeah. believe I'm happy to see you. <laughs> the men always say this to they Arthur. Love saying they all that hate to him. him. He's Which the enforcer. Weird, he's the, he's the bat yeah, like he's yeah, supposed yeah, to be the lunk yeah. and he's he's not always the nicest guy. They 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 succeed in uh, derailing and robbing the train. But of course, that means that Leviticus Cornwall, the wealthy man who owned the trains in the first place, sends the Pinkertons after Dutch and the gang. All of a sudden, this plan isn't working so well anymore. Yeah. This is a theme that will continue yes. for the next 65 hours of this game. All right, folks, this is a preview of a premium episode of the worst of all possible worlds. If you want to listen to the rest, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash worst of all, and you can hear the rest of this where we talk more about the story, the themes of the game, the labor issues at the heart of development of this game, and what that means for us going forward. If that sounds good to you, jump on over to Patreon, give us a little bit of money, and you'll be able to hear everything. Plus all of the backlog of bonus episodes that we have going all the way into uh, late spring of 2021 and of course going forward in time too until question mark see you there <laughs>